the, uh, the last uh, few weeks, I'm sure you're experiencing what our household is experiencing. Your mailboxes are filled with uh, material about midterm elections and gubernatorial races and so on and so forth. You can't watch TV without the commercials talking about this. And uh, as your pastor, you know I never get political from here. This pulpit is about Jesus Christ and him crucified. But it is also about us serving, and that is you need to vote, and you need to vote for righteousness, period. That's the position. With that being said, I don't know if you noticed, a few moments ago, a couple of ladies uh, came up to me during worship time. What you may not be aware of is these young ladies are from the country of Brazil. Uh, their lead pastor is with us. I just saw him a moment ago. Where'd you go, Pastor Jose? Did he step back out? Um, there he is. Stand up, please. Uh, if you don't know Pastor De Silva, what a beautiful servant of God. And uh, uh, there are a few others scattered among this congregation this morning. And they, they meet here. They have aligned themselves with Grace Life Church. And sees himself as an extension of who we are. Amen? Amen. Uh, I love Pastor Jose. Um, he uh, is able to speak in three different languages outside of spiritual tongues, and uh, I, I respect him for that. Let me take just a moment here, because it was a very noble request, Eliza, and then I asked Veronica to come up to make sure I was understanding correctly. Uh, I'll set the foundation for this. When the Bible speaks uh, of the return of the Lord, many things are addressed. And one of them is, and, and uh, take no doubt with this, the Bible talks about distress of nations. Our earth is being shaken. It's not just what we're experiencing on the street that you live. There's a general election in Brazil today, and what the request was is, would you please help us pray? Because they know there's deep corruption in that country. And they're asking for a, a godly leader to, to be elected by the people to serve. I don't think we feel any different, do we? Uh, Eliza, would you stand, please? Veronica, stand with her. Uh, if you are a part of uh, the Brazilian congregation, a part of Grace Life Church as well, would you stand? There's a few more. Pastor Jose is already standing. Okay. Um, again, they meet here through the week many times, and you're, you're privileged as well to go to any of their services. Uh, Pastor Jose, I'm going to ask you to come forward, please. And uh, if, I don't think I'm seeing anybody else. Eliza and uh, Veronica, would you also come here? We're going to have special prayer. You see, this, this, uh, this congregation now represents uh, many things, and we know that many nations make up who we are as a people now, and we embrace that. Can I hear an amen? amen. And uh, I mean, our demographics have changed so much, and we're, we're blooming right where we're planted. And we're able to touch the world because of families, beautiful individuals that have joined with us. Uh, but I, I'm going to ask a few of you, and not all of you can come up, to come up and stand with these three and uh, pray for that election today as if you're praying for your own home country. Because even though they're living here in the States now, you still love Brazil, don't you? You have family there, and you want to see God honored in what's going on. Would you stand as well as a congregation and extend your right hand this way? 
God, we do pray to you because you're the God of all the nations. We are all sons and daughters of God. Today, we have had this noble request to pray for a specific nation that is going through a time of general election. Today, we're praying to you that your glory be revealed upon the earth, that your glory fill the earth and the things above the earth. And as we have three representatives of this election today, we know the Bible is crystal clear that when you pray, you hear us. And if you hear us, you will answer. You are sovereign. And so many times we are troubled by what we're seeing and hearing. But our faith rests in you, our Lord, our God, our Savior. So today, again, I thank you for the faith of these, the love that is in these, praying that a nation will be raised up in righteousness and let the glory of the Lord be revealed not only today in an election but that there be fruit from this election to where you would be honored in that country we pray for the world of course our world is in desperate need we understand the Bible told us there would come a time and when the nations would elect just one to lead the whole world, looking for that one world leader. We're in those times when we're so distressed and frustrated where we are that we would be willing to give power over to this one. But let the church be the church and let the church pray and let the church hear the voice of God and take a stand for righteousness sake. In the name of Jesus, we pray today. Amen. Give God praise in this house. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, congregation, for doing that. I love you for that. You know, our times have changed us so much, and uh, there are th certain things we've been awakened to. Today, I look around the congregation. The house is not full. Some weeks it is. People travel, a lot of things going on. This, this campus stays busy throughout the week. So many different entities now are here for one reason or another. That's just the times. We know it's, uh, those of you that don't know me well, don't know how much of a smart aleck I really am. And uh, the only way I handle stress and pressure is just let that tongue live with that smart aleck tone. And um, people ask me, say, oh, you're a pastor. Where do you pastor? I tell them I'm pastor of the church of the revolving door in the middle of the vortex. <laughs> I feel more like an air traffic controller today than any other industry. And, uh, you know, I've had to accept that. I don't see people on a regular basis. The time in which we said, hey, if the doors are open, I'm going to be there with my family. Very few see it that way in long. But this church is still going to be a lighthouse to the lost. And it's going to serve our Lord in the capacity that we're called to be. We're a church. Don't ever forget that. In a time of watering terms down, I will not allow that word to be watered down. Jesus said, I will build my church. And I'll build it upon a rock. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church 
recognizing who she is and what she's capable of doing. One of the most powerful things we do is pray. Today, I, uh, I want to preach a, a message uh, that uh, is one of those times, it's a personal devotion that came alive to me. Thank you, Carrie, for playing. He's always so faithful to do that. He typically waits till I pray, but that might be a while, and your fingers would get tired, so I'll let you rest your fingers. I would entitle this message simply is, What Are You Wearing? When it comes to wearing clothes, one of the most given notes about why do we wear clothes, more than being a fashionista, is that it's to cover our nakedness. Can I hear an amen with that? Put your clothes on, Ethel, okay? Well, the Bible addresses that. And uh, so I was um, uh, doing a little bit. I thought I'd heard this, and so I Googled it. And, you know, uh, you don't have to raise your hands on this, but it's not uncommon for people in their dreams to dream that they're naked. And when they do, they find themselves being awakened because of the frustration, because in those type of dreams, you're running and you're just frustrated and you're frantic. And those that interpret dreams and, and study this uh, come up with more than one answer. But it is typical many times it's when a person is feeling vulnerable in their daily exercises and therefore it shows up in their subconscious or their subconscious is driving it and uh, they find themselves just, I, 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 I'm fearful, I'm frantic, I'm frustrated. And so they find themselves even in their dreams not being able to rest because of feeling vulnerable. Well, I had uh, heard a story about a particular church. It was a small congregation and the pastor uh, was able to know everybody in his congregation. He didn't pastor the church of the revolving door. He knew them all. Well, this particular uh, family had not been there for a couple weeks, and so he thought he would make a home visit. When he got to their home, he, uh, as he got up to the door, he heard activity in the house. And so, of course, he knocked on the door, and no one answered. And he st still heard activity in the house, so he knocked a little louder, and still no one come to the door. So he uh, went back to his car and got a pad of paper and a pen, and he wrote a note and put it on the door, and uh, the note read as such. It said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would have heard my voice and opened the door, I would have come in and fellowshiped with you. Well, the next week in services, that family that he was trying to visit was there. And as his tradition was, he stood at the back doors, uh, one of the back doors as people were leaving. Well, this family got out another door, but an usher walked over with a note. And the note had the name of the family he was trying to visit. And so he opened it up, and the note read as such. It said, I heard your voice, and I was afraid, for I was naked, so I hid. You may think that that's just a joke. I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word as you turn to Genesis chapter 3. I want to read verses 6 through 11 and also verse 21. You see what kind of devotions I have now, don't you? 
Verse 6 of chapter 3, Genesis. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And now notice verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Holy Spirit, speak to us about this particular part of Scripture that isn't just part of our ancestry our antiquity, but it is speaking to us now. Let the truth of your word penetrate our hearts as well as our minds. Speak to us about that which you still require of us and that which you desire to do in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before you see it, turn around to somebody and say, I'm glad you got clothes on. Those of you that are streaming the service, that is true. Pastor is a little touched. I tell you why this came alive to me. How many times have I read it? I don't know. But verse 21 is what spoke to me. God clothed them. What a God! that would care enough to clothe two people naked. But he didn't just clothe them, did he? He obviously had to make the garments. And the Bible was crystal clear what kind of garment it was. It was not cotton. It was skins. Where did he get the skins? We didn't have a Walmart yet, see. He had to kill animal, innocent animal, to get their skins, to be able to turn around and make clothing for this couple. I don't know about you, but it's an incredible concept, as well as an incredible truth. So again, we lose the lapse of time. How much time, as we call it, of course, God is timeless. But there's activity going on here. All we know is the end result. They were naked, God clothed them. The reality as well is they had always been naked. 
but now they're recognizing their nakedness. I am of the belief that there was actually another type of clothing on them. It was the presence of God before their disobedience removed that covering from their life. This is why now they recognized. They had always just had the privilege of experiencing what they'd always experienced, a sinless community. And therefore, no thought was ever given. There didn't have to be a Walmart and have a clothing section for men and women there. They uh, were clothed by the presence of God. And now they find themselves being naked. And so they did what any of us would have done. I need to find something to cover my nakedness. Again, they did not have the privilege of going to a store, so they found what they could find in close proximity, and it just so happened to be fig leaves. These fig leaves, of course, sound so strange to us, but again, with just a little bit of just the power of reasoning, we realized that the garments that they had made could not have lasted very long at all. The more dry those leaves would have become, the more brittle and, of course, uh, more vulnerable. And they would have found themselves constantly coming up with new ways to use fig leaves to cover themselves. Wow! Kind of sounds like what we do in our own effort to cover ourselves. And finding that the ways that we use doesn't work very long And we find ourselves having to do something else and having to do something else and having to do something else. And again, but the real power of this is, more than the fig leaves, is that God clothed them. How many believes the word of God to be truth? Do we believe what is recorded here? God clothed them. What, What are you saying to us? This is why, again, it just spoke to me. And it it just would not leave me. And it caused me again to realize that God didn't just do this as a random act of kindness. But that, that we do find a theme throughout scripture that God actually has a closet whereby he clothes us. We find out that it is something about us being upon this earth that we realize that we have the need of being clothed. There are things that come along with this life on this planet. I could go on in another way, but I'll just give you a tidbit, and that is we know that as death comes to us, we lay this body down, but the Bible speaks of having a new body. How many knows we're going to come back to this earth and rule and reign? When it comes to this earth, it requires an earth suit. I'll put it that way. God is spirit. But you and I, along with being spirit and have a soul, we also have bodies. And as long as we're upon this earth, we see the need of being clothed. We understand in Isaiah chapter 61, as we know it, We find verse 10 describing when Isaiah said, God hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. And he realizes then in that point 
that they aren't just some rags thrown together, that God's design for salvation for our life is likened unto, but could it be that same thing that Adam and Eve had one experience before sin caused them to realize, I've lost something that was protecting me. So now we realize, Isaiah says, he, he clothes me. That's the wording there. He clothes me. God is clothing me. It wasn't just a random act of kindness back in a garden because it was going to get cool that night. He does this for those who fear him. He clothes us in the garments of salvation. And it doesn't stop there. And he likens it. And I love the wording here when he says it's likened unto a wedding. And for the groom, he puts a robe upon him as if for a wedding. And even puts a headdress on him. And the bride is there as well and adorned with precious jewels. Wow. The garments of salvation that puts us in rightful position to be a part of the bride of Christ uh, that will unite itself with God himself in holy matrimony. Come on, somebody, and say amen. amen. But he doesn't stop there in Isaiah 61. Going back just a few verses to verse 3, you'll see again even what Jesus would preach himself. He goes back to Isaiah and says to us what he will do for us. And among that, he garments us again. And he said there is a garment of praise instead of that which is a garment for mourning. In other words, now we're realizing what we've known is clothing serves many purposes. We know that it serves to protect us from the elements when it, the colder it gets, we need the clothing to be a little heavier, a little more full to protect us. When that wind is whirling and whipping, we're making sure that there is no exposed skin so that we're protected. We understand that clothing uh, also identifies. And around this globe, and many of you could speak of your home nation, in that certain colors and certain uh, styles uh, identify what tribe you're from, what country you're from, what dialect you speak. It is an identification. I remember several years ago, many years ago, quite honestly, I was serving as a youth pastor here, and I went to a rehab facility to visit someone who had an addiction. And in this 12-step program, because I was a minister they wanted uh, people such as myself to wait a little longer after the first part of the evening. And because part of the program was for those who were battling to be able to speak to someone else about their journey. And in that, I uh, was speaking to a young lady. Uh, the young lady must have been 17, 18, 19 years of age at the time. And she is telling me that she wasn't from Cobb County originally, and she named where she was from, and it was a very small community originally where she was born. She told me that she had moved from there to another locale that was 50,000, 60,000 people, and then she had moved here with hundreds of thousands. And uh, so my question was, I said, have you been battling 
for many years? And she said, yes. I said, so this goes all the way back to your home city. And she said, yes. I said, then my question is, how, when you moved to a new community, how did you find the drug of choice? That quick. She said, oh, that's easy. I look for the clothing. Billboards. I was looking for the dark clothes. And she named certain brands. In other words, it was a marking. So it made it easy for her. It was just kind of this hidden code that I'll go to them. They probably can lead me to continue going on in this lifestyle. When it comes to the clothing of God, again, it serves many purposes. It protects us. It warms us. And it identifies us. Again, you go on in Scripture, and there's a lot of different places that, that talks about the clothing of God. But it isn't just Old Testament. We go to the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, said that we have been clothed in Christ. Those who have been baptized in Christ have been clothed in Christ, a covering in our life. We are so blessed. When we talk about spiritual warfare, when we talk about the battles that we go through, I don't believe any of us, without the exception of occasional revelations, really realize all that God is doing for us at any given day of the week. How many believe in the, in the working of angels? How many believes in the appointment of angels? And to know that we've got a God whose eye is not blind, whose ear is not deaf, and his arm is not too short, whereby he can't reach and touch our lives. It's for God to take the time to make clothes and clothe someone. He has that same heart toward all of his children, whereby he gets involved in our lives and meets the needs according to his arsenal of things that he's able to dispose into our life. We are clothed in Christ. We are clothed with a covering. I firmly believe that many of the attacks that do come into our life is because there's some identity of Christ in our lives that the enemy wants to quell, that it wants to come against, wants to discourage. How many ever believed that when you got saved, you thought everything was just going to go perfect and wonderful from then on? Come on, be honest about it. You did think that. And when the first attack started, or the first time you said, I no longer want to live in this sinful lifestyle and move away from it, how many of you have testified, it seems like all hell has broke loose against me? Come on, help somebody else in the house. There's a marking in our life. There's a covering of salvation. Being clothed in Christ. This is why we're called to follow along in water baptism. It's a public profession of our faith. And it marks, I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he has signed, sealed, and delivered that I am his. And he is mine. And I'm clothed in righteousness. Wow. We know that our... Efforts of righteousness turn out to be fig leaves. The Bible puts it this way. They're as if filthy rags. But if you'll go back to Isaiah now and capture that clothing that God has when he gives salvation 
to someone and we see the marriage, it goes on a little further and tells them that they are clothed in the robes of righteousness. And if you'll go back to Isaiah 61 and 3, that he gives us a garment of praise instead of that of mourning, he goes on, and you shall be known as the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Wow. This is why I don't believe there's such thing as secret agents for God. Oh, I'm saved. I just don't ever share that with anybody. Well, I don't want to be a disruption. <laughs> You're marked. You're marked. I'm looking at some right now. I won't call your name out. Sin has come into your life. It has been preached. Sin will keep you longer than you ever planned on staying. Cost you more than you ever planned on spending. Take you further than you ever planned on going. And yet you're a child of God. Realize this. There is this clothing of Christ to be covered in Christ. And yes, yes, yes. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God, but God, but God delivers them out of them all. That's when you take a stand and you say, yes, the flesh is still calling. The addiction is still calling. I'm still called by friends, but I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I've been given the clothing of salvation. And yes, God, greater is he that came into my life and moved into my life and take residence in my life than that which I have battled for years. I will stand with the righteousness of God in my life, not my righteousness, the righteousness that's been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. God's got a closet, and he won't let us be naked. He won't let us walk around vulnerable. He clothes us in righteousness. <laughs> you see... In Galatians 3 and 27, again, as he clothes us in Christ, it becomes your identity. And now we understand the context of what he said. And in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither male nor female. There is neither slave nor free. Because you see, when they put on the clothing of Christ, we all look the same. Woo! Come on, somebody. This is why we're called to be conformed to the image of the Son. If you don't get anything else out of this message, you understand this. It's all about Jesus, folks, and what he's done for us. And what he's still doing for us. There's so much humanism that has moved into pulpits and just trying to tell us that we can be better people and we can do this and we can do that. We can't do anything without his empowerment. You understand today. I couldn't save myself. Oh, yeah, I was a real hell again back in the day when I was 10 years old. I had been very worldly up until then. I'm having a little fun with you. Some of you say, no, it, salvation wasn't recognized in my life until I was way up in years, and I had, I had 
walked in a violent path, an evil path. But you see, I was ever much as saved at age of 10 as you were at 61 or 49 or whatever. That protection to be clothed in Christ. To conform to the image of Him. How many times have we found ourselves trying to put on other religious garments? Oh, wow. But they're all fig leaves. They're all fig leaves. They won't last. They won't last. But when I'm clothed in righteousness, I'm a planting of the Lord. He put a robe of righteousness on me as he gave me the garments, plural, of salvation in my life. I now have the privilege of bearing the marks of my master upon my life. The longer I serve him, I'll add another verse to it, the more that I look like him. We've all seen these pictures of couples at their 50th wedding anniversary. They looked so different back in the day, but the older they got, the more they looked like each other. I think of Ben and Carla. Carla went through cancer three different times. When she lost her hair and had to wear the wig, Carla didn't care. She'd take that wig off. When she took that wig off, it looked like they were siblings, didn't they? Of course, the pictures that really hurt my feelings is when you see this person and this dog and they look like each other. (laughs) Just a thought. I don't want to turn into a dachshund. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. I want to look like him. I want others to see him in me. Let your light so shine. Oh, I shouldn't have looked at the clock. Let me preach a little longer, please. There's another another bit of clothing that I'd be remiss. And it's designer clothing. And the designer label simply is etched on every garment that it gives. And it simply says, from on high. Luke chapter 24 verse 49 says that we will be clothed with power from on high. To be baptized into the Spirit of God. To be dressed by the Spirit of God. To be clothed. Many years ago it was popular to have power ties or power suits. Let me tell you something. They didn't come up with that idea. It's found in the Word of God. God's got power garments for the children of God. We understand that it was decreed, it was prophesied, and we realize in Romans, uh, excuse me, Acts 1 and 8, he said that, that you shall be my witnesses in all the earth and that you will be endued with power from on high. Acts 2 and 4, we see that beginning of that going on and we see this outpouring of the Spirit of God as they're being clothed in the power of God. Oh my I'm debating now, do I stop here and try to preach the rest of this tomorrow, or do I keep going on? Because you see, can I just kind of teach, preach for a minute? 
There is the water, there is the baptism into Christ, into the body of Christ. The Bible uses that term. We're immersed into the love of God, but we also understand that there is a water baptism, and as our public profession, but there's yet another baptism. There's a baptism of spirit. There's a fullness of the spirit that we're baptized in. And Jesus is the baptizer as he baptizes us in the Holy Ghost. Am I doing good? And we understand that there's so much to be said about tongues. Now, you hear me today. All the initial evidence verbiage, it's there and it's rightfully there to understand that there is an initial evidence that God is doing something deeper and something new. Is, are tongues weird? Can somebody say yes? You're not going to get struck by a bolt of lightning when you say that. Tongues are designed to be a phenomenon. The glossolalia is designed to be something that's unique. It's designed to be something different. It's designed for distinction. It's designed to mark you and cause you to stand out. It is something that is also a gift of God that involves itself in the deepening of a prayer life because at times when the enemy, by whatever means, is able to intercept everything we're praying in our known tongue, there is that tongue of the Spirit that's able to pierce the darkness and get directly to the throne room and hell's throwing its hands up and wringing its hands and saying, I don't have a clue what they're praying against this right now. And God said, I've already got this and I'm already in motion. Now I've got a witness upon the earth that will stand in agreement with me and let the Lord be the Lord of all at this very place because he was just waiting on me to come here and take a stand in the name of Christ and say this belongs to Jesus Christ and I bear witness with it. This initial evidence is there. It will always be a phenomenon, but it is a part of what God is doing. But it doesn't stop there. There's also that essential evidence. And what is that essential evidence? The essential evidence is that we love. Fruit of the Spirit is love. If you want to take my interpretation of it, go to the book of Randy and you'll find this. I don't believe there's nine through the Spirit. I think there's one through the Spirit, and it's love. And it shows up in joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness. And I understand temperance, all these things. It is marking the love of God that is now essential for us as we bear witness of Him that we look like, that we are witnesses of, that He has marked our life and He has clothed us in robes of righteousness righteousness for his name's sake. You can have a mouthful of tongues all day long and when you're being hateful and nasty to somebody else, you have voided the work of God that's going come on somebody. It is the fruit of the spirit that's evident in our life. How in the world are you capable of loving me when I've been so unloving to you? It's not the power that I made up of my own. It's the power of a risen Christ that's now resident in my life. And he's the one that equips me. And he's the one that empowers me. And he's the one that causes me to go beyond natural barriers. And now I walk in the realm of the supernatural. And I'm able to look in the darkness and say, No longer will you be able to stand in darkness for I'm bringing the revelation of the light of Jesus Christ into this situation. Scatter if like cockroaches, if you will, but God be glorified in this place of darkness and now let it be a place of light. Come on, somebody. 
that essential evidence of love. How shall we, how shall they know we are disciples? By our love. Fruit of the Spirit. How can you have joy in your life when everything's falling apart around you? Because I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. And it's there to stay. Where did it come from? It didn't come from this earth. It came from the endowment from on high that came into my life and has equipped me to live a victorious life through Jesus Christ. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ my Lord. What shall I say unto these things? If my God be for me, who can be against me? It's not because I'm a better me. It's because I'm a new me in Christ empowering me. And I'm clothed in his garments. My God. The ultimate evidence. There's initial and there's essential. But the ultimate. The reason that he baptizes us in that spirit is that you'll be my witnesses in all the earth so that those born in Brazil can hear the name of Jesus Christ and become children of God. Those in Nigeria, every country, every nation, every tribe can hear the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the ultimate evidence that we are witnesses. What you may not know and what you may have forgotten is the word witness comes from the same root word as martyr. We are now counted as sheep for the slaughter. Oh, it got quiet in the house. This life I now live, I no longer live unto myself. I live by faith in Him. My life, as we sing, and I, I love that old song, I sing it on my own time. I'm, if I'm painting, God knows I hate to paint, so I have to start bringing his glory in somehow. And I'll start singing, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. He doesn't help me paint, but he stays with me while I paint. You see, not only does he grow sweeter, but I realize the privilege of being his witness. That others that are in darkness that we once were in, have been called into his marvelous light. That they can see something in us. Mere mortals that were naked, but now being clothed. Clothed with empowerment, with endowment from on high. Would you stand with me today? I am believing, church, for a resurgence, for a renewal of the spirit baptism in this house. I am believing and trusting for a hungering and thirsting after righteousness so that we will be filled. I'm believing for not just an initial evidence, but that it moves on in and grows us into that which is essential and that which is ultimate. I'm not just seeking after the tongues. I'm seeking Him. I want Him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that there's a shaking coming to this earth and that which can be shaken shall be shaken. But that which is unshakable shall remain. The righteousness of God will remain, Brother Jeff. Those that live under that covering, that covering and that clothing 
of salvation. I've heard people say simple things and they don't know what they're saying in their ignorance. Oh yeah, I'm saved. It can't be that flippant. No, I'm born again. I was born in the flesh, but I've been born in the spirit. I've been baptized into the body of Christ. Water baptized and baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm just a pilgrim and a sojourner walking through this land. Got a funeral this afternoon. Many of us know that. One day my number will come up as well. But you see, that won't be the end. That will just be the end of a, of a part of my life. Thank God that Jesus came into my life. He sought me. I didn't choose him. He chose me. Wow. He clothed me. He didn't just clothe the first ones out in that garden. He clothed me. He found me in nakedness. And he clothed me. He knew I was vulnerable. And he protected me. He knew that I would be embarrassed in life, in my nakedness. So he covers me in the garments of righteousness. So that a life that would have been meaningless now has value. Wow. How can I ever repay? How can you ever repay? I know we're in a time of blurred lines, changing of definitions. But we cannot afford in this hour to remove ourselves or diminish what God has done for us. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our Alpha. He is our Omega. He is our strong tower. He's our shield. He's our buckler. He's not only the God of one generation that would come under the mantle of Abraham, He also reaches the next generation that said we would be of Isaac. He doesn't stop there. He'll reach the next generation and say we would be of Jacob, of Israel. He said, I am the God of all generations. And He hasn't changed. Can I hear an amen in the house? Many of us are concerned about younger generations not being in the house of God, not serving God. Our God hasn't changed. And he's still got a closet full of garments that he will cover each generation. I'll tell you what the answer isn't. And that's for us to shrink back on the power of God that can clothe us in this hour. We must be endued with power from on high. Clothed in the garments of the Holy Ghost, filled with the power of God in our life to fight the good fight of faith, as well as even being protected when we don't even know the fiery darts have been coming against us, but we've been protected because of that which He's already put into our life. Wow.